Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Bolton here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today for episode 350. 350? 50? 50? We're going to go 50. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking with my friend Mike Kim all about building your personal brand. Now, no matter where you're at in your speaking career, you already have a brand. Whether you realize it or not, you absolutely do. And so Mike is going to be answering all your questions about what it means to develop your identity, to narrow your focus, and to capture your personality and experience in a brand. We're also going to be talking about how to find your branding message through three key questions even before you step on stage. Also going to discuss the importance of storytelling and the five levels of product awareness so that you have confidence in the value that you are leaving with your audience. As you develop your brand, it's important to remember that you can't be all things to all people. And so Mike is going to share how to identify those transferable skills that will help you to define your niche so that you can confidently share your brand. You're going to get a ton out of this episode, so let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Mike Kim on creating your personal brand. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by my buddy, Mike Kim, uh, who is actually on with us episode 222. And so if you have not listened to that episode, definitely go back and check that out. But today, he's going to be uh, back here talking with us all about personal brand. He actually has a new book out uh, that's out today, uh, assuming you're listening out listening to this the, uh, the day it comes out. But uh, it's called You Are the Brand. Uh, Mike, good to have you back with us today, man. It is great to be here, and uh, those of you those of you who don't see us on video, obviously listening to the podcast, we are twinsies today. We're wearing the same exact shirt. This we is, are, we are, we are the only yeah. ones that own white t shirts, and we just happen to we happen to put them on today. We just wanted to we, go matchy matchy. We didn't plan matching. it or anything. I love it, love it. Now I I tell I tell speakers all the time that one of the unique things about being a speaker is that you are the product, you are the brand. So when someone is is buying you know, uh, or, 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 uh, hiring a speaker, they're not hi buying a, a tool or a project or a widget. You know, one of the unique things about being a speaker, uh, is that you are the product, you are the brand. And so, uh, I appreciate you using that as the title. Uh, and I feel like I should get some royalties for that, but, uh, <laughs> talk to us a little bit, like, how would you define a, a personal brand? Cause a, a lot of times speakers, we don't necessarily think of ourselves as personal brands. We just, I'm a speaker. Um, but again, because because the you as the person is what it is that uh, an event planner is ultimately buying or investing in, we, we have to kind of make some of those mental shifts and think of ourselves as a brand. So how, how do you kind of think about that? Yeah. So as we, many of us know, branding came from farmers literally burning a mark onto their livestock, right? It, so branding at the end of the day is all about identity. Only later on did it come to into play with businesses and services, I think it was Josiah Wedgwood. He was a potter, uh, an English potter, okay. born in the 1700s. And this guy won a pottery competition hosted by Queen Charlotte. And 
right after that, he started calling all his pottery Queensware. Hmm. So he is generally credited as the father of branding and modern marketing, whether he realized it or not. Then he started opening showrooms with Queensware pottery. Yeah. Uh, he pioneered money back guarantees and free delivery, you know, so, you know, we can, we can all thank him for that. Yeah. And, um, at the end of the day, though, whether it's, you know, livestock or pottery or our screen names online, you know, branding is all about identity. So personal branding just expands into a composite of your ideas, your expertise, your reputation, and your personality. If you really think about what a personal brand is, why we like certain experts over others, why we like certain basketball players over others, not that they're necessarily the best player in the world. Yeah. We just like their personality. We like how they play the game. We like their reputation. We like their expertise, right? Their ideas. So as a speaker, a communicator, a coach, anyone who's in this expert space, your personal brand is a public facing identity made up of your ideas, your expertise, your reputation, your personality. And you've already got one, whether you realize it or not. So you just might as well be a better one. Right. How do you, uh, to that end, where you already have one, is that true for everyone? Is that true for people who've been at it for a little while? Or is like, I'm thinking about like everybody, everybody starts from zero. Everybody starts from scratch and going, I have none speaking gigs and I'm trying to book my first gig. I have sold or written none books and I'm trying to create the first book or anything, right? Everybody starts from zero. So do you find that, especially if you're starting from zero, that you you have a blank slate or do you have kind of a a track record that you're working with whether you realize it or not or how should speakers be thinking about that i'm going to go a little woo woo here and say that you probably already have a brand even though no one else knows about it you know about it so it really starts with the way that you think about yourself right the way that you see yourself uh the first chapter in the book is titled who do you have to become in order to serve the people you want to serve so if your inner game is, well, I don't have anybody or I'm not really good at this or I don't have any experience, that may be factually true, but think about the way that you're talking about yourself. Think about the way that you're, what you're saying to yourself about who you think you are, right? Mm-hmm. So I start there, but beyond that, on a very practical level, if people don't know who you are, there's a lot that can be said even without saying anything. Uh, I think it was in 2012, Jeff Bezos said this, that someone asked him about branding and, and he goes, he threw, he threw out some, some definition there. And he said, well, branding is what, what people say about you when you're not in the room. Mm-hmm. And I was, I like that. Now the 2021 version of that, I would update that to say branding is what people say about you before you even get in the room. Mm-hmm. And if they don't know who you are and they don't have anything to say, you're basically invisible. And you can have a brand without ever stepping foot on a stage. You can have a reputation. I mean, you and I did this. Nobody knew who we were before we got these paid speaking gigs. And yet they knew who we were. They didn't know what our keynote said, but they knew who we were. We were building relationships. We were trying to get gigs. We were leveraging our connections. Uh, We were presenting ourselves a certain way and in an intentional way. So when you start from zero, you really start with, you do this a lot as well. I do this with my clients. What's your point of view on a subject? What's your point of view on yourself? And those are three questions. There are three questions that I ask people. What ticks you off? What breaks your heart? What's the big problem you're trying to solve? That has almost nothing to do right now with what you're saying on stage if you don't have gigs yet. But it's the message that you can lead with when you start pitching to get opportunities and to open doors. 
So when someone is, uh, especially speakers, trying to identify that and really solidify, all right, this is what my personal brand is. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm, I represent. It is one of those things that oftentimes feels um, easy for maybe an outsider, someone who knows us well, like, oh, I, th- this is who you are. Or this is what, when I think of you, I think of this. And um, which is a, an interesting exercise. Like just ask a couple of people that like really know you well, you know, like close friends or coworkers or, or spouse or significant other or whatever. Uh, how they see you. And you, you'll oftentimes find a lot of, of commonality there, but it's for whatever reason, it's really, really hard for us to read it because we're so close to it. So is it good to talk with some other people and get some of that outside perspective? Or like, how do we go about figuring out what is it that uh, is already true about me that I may not realize for myself? There's this, uh, that's a great question. There's this exercise I did. Dude, I don't know where I got this exercise. I think it's just, I just, hit me one day. So I was so frustrated trying to figure out my life. And um, I had three jobs before I, three primary careers before I, I, I do what I do now. Uh, the first was I taught high school kids at an after-school academy, getting them ready for SATs and ACTs, all these college entrance exams. Right. What's funny, little known fact, I barely graduated high school and I really barely graduated college too. I was not a good student. So then I end up ironically teaching SATs to high school kids because I was a good teacher. I was a good communicator, right? The second was uh, I worked on staff at a church as their music director for four Mm -hmm. years. And the third was I was the CMO of this company, this educational company. It was the same company I used to teach at. Mm -hmm. And I went back to the job years later after I quit the church job. And so, uh, but I didn't want to stay in that job. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with me there right now, right? And I was trying to figure out all the, what's my message? What's, who's my client? Blah, blah, blah. All this you know, crazy stuff that we try to work through. And one day, I just started to write down everything I did at these jobs. So mm-hmm. I was super annoyed. Not just what was on the job description, but stuff that was outside the job description. But I did all the time. Like, for example, um, in my teaching job, I didn't just teach workbooks. I had to write curriculums. So I wrote curriculums in my music director job. I didn't just play music. I had to rec- I had to recruit volunteers. Mm-hmm. I had to lead these volunteers. I had to mentor them. I often had to get really creative people to work with one another when they didn't get along. And then um, in my marketing job, of course, I had to host conferences. I had to do seminars. We had to do open houses and all this sort of stuff. And so I wrote all this down and then I just took my pen one day and I don't know, just, I was like, what happens if I just cross off the end of every sentence? And I looked at this list and it said, I speak, I write, I recruit, hmm. I lead meetings, I, um, I host conferences. And I looked at this list and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm good at some things. Hmm. And what happens is we tend to look at our own lives. You mentioned we're so close to it that all we see, the first lens we see everything through is the company or the job or the organization we're with. You've talked very openly about your past and what you did in ministry and church and all that. There are so many other skills that are involved in that kind of work than just preaching and speaking from a stage. You're mentoring people, you're putting out fires, you're leading volunteers, Leading volunteers is harder than leading people who are paid. It's very hard. Herding cats. This, yeah. yeah. This is this is like real world stuff. So I'd encourage anyone who's listening, if you're in that place, you're like, what am I good at? What's my message? What do I can what can I even talk about? I don't feel like I'm driven by anything other than the desire right now than to quit my job. 
and be my own boss. Start there. That will change. Like I said, a few minutes ago, the story you're telling yourself. And bro, when I saw that list of things, I was in shock. And you could say that I really saw myself for the first time. And that helped change the narrative. So a couple follow-up questions that come to mind though is, is one is, um, almost going back to even like what your experience was when you're doing the SAT and ACT prep of going, I'm teaching this, but I can't, I wasn't even successful in this myself. And so how often do we look at that list and immediately have an imposter syndrome of just like, yeah, but who am I to do this? There are people better than this or people that are more qualified than this. People have better resumes, credentials, experience, yada, 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 yada. So how do you overcome the personal brand or the, the, the imposter syndrome to be able to really like confidently step into my personal brand and say, no, like, this is who I am. This is what I'm good at. And not like in a cocky, arrogant way, but just recognizing like, these are the skill sets that I have and here's how I can add value to others. Yeah. It reminds me when I first started out freelancing and I kind of cut my teeth freelancing as a copywriter. I wrote content for people and I had no idea what to charge. I didn't have any experience at least as a freelancer. But then I realized, wait, I write stuff at work all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm, the, I'm the marketing director for the company. So let me just be honest about what level I'm at. And this is what I would say to people, because oftentimes when an event comes to hire you or a client says, we want to hire you as a consultant or a copywriter in my case, you may be the prospect's first you might be the first that they've ever contracted. Yeah. And so in many of those situations, I would ask them, have you ever worked with a paid consultant before? Or in your case, a speaker? And they say, yeah. Um, or if they say no, then I say, well, okay, are you familiar with the levels of speakers or the levels of writers? And they would say no. And I would say, Well, a level 10 copywriter would be someone like Dan Kennedy or Jay Abraham. And these guys have written the copy for brands like Icy Hot and Proactive. And typically they'll charge $100,000 for the project, $25,000 for the initial consultation and a percentage of the royalties. Then a level one will be someone who charges you $500, but they don't really have any experience. I'm a level six going on a level seven. Yeah. And I would just say that or when I was starting, I would say I'm like a level two going to a level three right now. Yeah. And I would honestly just say that and be real with where I was. Now, maybe I pushed it up a level <laughs> just to get myself to dare and show up in a certain way. Yeah. But I also went back and looked at that list that I just shared about where I crossed all the positions off and looked at just the skill. And I had to tell myself, dude, stop selling yourself short. That doesn't mean I was able to sell myself with total confidence. It was scary, yeah. but it was branching out and realizing, okay, I can be authentic with the prospect. I can be upfront and honest with them, but I also can't shortchange myself because look at all these positions I've held. Look at all the things that I've done. Look at all the soft skills, the things that I did that weren't on my job description that I did that were helpful to that organization. I know anyone would be, uh, anyone would, 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 would benefit from having me part of their project. And that's kind of how I started out. Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? 
If your answer is, I, I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start, let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. Our personalized coaching program features done-for-you websites, done-for-you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. It kind of goes back to, you know, what we we're talking about, like it's, it's when you're too close to yourself, then what you're good at or what your experiences are, you think, well, everybody's good at this. Everybody's good at copywriting. Everybody's good at branding. Everybody's good at speaking. Like I'm nothing special. And it's when you start to have some outside people who point out like, no, no, like most people aren't actually good at that. And you're better than you give yourself credit for. And so having some of that outside perspective can make a, a big difference. The other question I was going to ask you about is, when you start to realize here's some things that I'm naturally good at, or I'm passionate about, or I'm interested in, um, there's a balance. We tell speakers all this, this all the time that there's a balance between what you're interested in or good at and passionate about versus what is it the market actually pays for. So just because you have a skill set, let's say you're an amazing speaker, but you're amazing at talk, but you're you're really good at talking about you know underwater basket weaving. Like I, I can't think that there's that many opportunities to speak on that, let alone to get paid for that. So how do you find that balance between here's what my personal brand is versus here's what the market actually pays people to solve uh, and what that overlap is? I think there's a, there. I, yeah, I agree. I don't think there's a big market for underwater basket weaving. Um, and I would say, and this is one of the distinctions that I've drawn for a lot of people is the interesting thing about speakers is they can be both types of personal brand entrepreneurs. And here's how I, I define this. There are what I call how-to-preneurs and they can literally fix a problem for you or tell you how to fix it, right? And I'm a how-to-preneur. People come to me and say, how do I fix my branding or my marketing? How do mm -hmm. I up-level it to the next level? And I can give them a deliverable and say, here's your sales page written for you, or here are your Facebook ads written up for you, or here's what we're going to, we're going to design your website to look like. I'm a how-to-preneur. Yeah. The advantage of a how-to-preneur is it's very clear the problem that, that I solve, and it's very clear to validate the problem. The downside is I have a lot of competition. There are a lot of people who do what I do. That's why my personal brand is so important. Some people will just resonate with me as a person. They'll yeah. just want to work with me because of the way that I conduct myself or whatnot. Now, the other type of entrepreneur, is, even as speakers, is what I call an ideapreneur. And an ideapreneur doesn't even necessarily fix a problem. They're more trying to spread a philosophy or raise awareness of an issue. A great example of this is Brene Brown, who mm -hmm. we all see today as a speaker. Oh, Mike, you're wrong. She clearly solves a problem. She... She talks about daring greatly and breaking shame. And she talks about vulnerability. Dude, name one person who wakes up in the morning and says, let me see how I can break shame and vulnerability off my life this morning. They don't right. wake up with those problems. 
And Brene Brown has gone on record. I talk about this in the book more in depth. She goes on record to say that her fame was came to her by accident. She did a TEDx talk mm-hmm. at the University of Houston where a bunch of her colleagues already were. And she decided to change up her talk last minute on a flight home from Maui. And she gave the talk and she had this uh, vulnerability hangover. <laughs> She's like, I can't believe I said all this stuff on stage. No big deal. It doesn't matter. There's only a few hundred people at the event. A lot of them are colleagues. No big deal. To her horror, the talk goes viral. And now all these people are are looking up what she said, Bernie Brown. Even the media was like <laughs> mispronouncing her name. Bernie Brown. Talk about vulnerability and shame. And Yet, if you watch the talk, nowhere in the talk does she give you an eight-step framework on how to become more vulnerable. Yeah, She's actually trying to spread a philosophy or open awareness about a certain idea. So the way she built her business is very different from the way that I built mine. Because at the end of the day, even if I talk with her for an hour, privately, one-on-one, I don't walk away necessarily with a roadmap. I have thoughts to chew on and mm-hmm. things to think about. And the, the, the productization of her business came when she took that talk and put it into a book. And then now, all these years later, she has a certification program called The Daring Way, trademark. Okay, I looked this up. And her speaking fees have gone up. But she was an ideapreneur. She didn't fix a problem because most people didn't even weren't even aware that they had a problem with shame or vulnerability. Yeah. So it's a very subtle difference between the two, but the monetization path is very very different. So to to your point what I'm saying there is no there's no market for underwater basket weaving. Um people aren't aware that that's even a problem that needs to be fixed. There's a way to validate it, but you have to be able to, you have to be willing to take the time to allow that to grow and be validated. Most people look at Brene Brown and say she's an author and a speaker. No, she's not. She was a professor and a researcher mm-hmm. for years. Um, there's another lady in the book that I talk about who's an ideapreneur and she's a speaker as well. Marie Kondo, little Japanese lady. Mm-hmm was a cleaning consultant for eight years. People say, oh, look at her. She's on Netflix. She wrote a book. That's what I want. Nope. Took her eight years to validate this idea. She started speaking about how to spark joy in your life. You know, the the life-changing magic of tidying up. That's the name of her book. It's not how to clean your house. She's an ideapreneur. She's Japanese. Her, Her culture espouses minimalism. There's a philosophy behind it's a Shinto principle. Her book is basically Shintoism in a cleaning book. <laughs> Completely different. Yeah. No, my, I remember my sister gave me that book and I was offended because I was like, are you saying I'm dirty? And she's like, no, I'm not saying that. I want you to just read the book because of the philosophy. You see, there's a super, there's a subtle, but very big difference between the two. Yeah. How to preneurs and idea preneurs. And you know, that's, and that's across the board for speakers. It seems so, like, okay, finish. No, go ahead. No, no. So if you're a speaker, that's what I'm going to say. Like even working through that's going to help you to define which kind of problem you want to solve or what kind of speaker or what kind of issue you want to speak to. I get hired for speaking gigs 
to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. I do most conferences. I am a workshop or seminar speaker. I'm not the keynote guy. I'm not the guy who kicks off the entire event or closes the entire event because I'm not a philosophy guy. I don't come to social media marketing world and say, I have a philosophy on marketing that I want to, I want to spread to the entire world of marketers out there. Yeah. No, I'm like, here's how to write copy. <laughs> here's how to write this ad. Here's how to do this. Here's how to build your personal brand. But then there are other guys who Seth Godin, he is a philosophy guy. Yeah. He will come and speak at the same event that I'm speaking, but he has a different slot on the schedule because he's an ideapreneur. So there's a difference there. Even though we're both in marketing, um, it has nothing to do with the fact that he's 80 million times more famous than me. It's just that he has a different perspective on the world of marketing. And that's what so, he shares. So to that analogy that you gave, do you feel like ideapreneurs are better suited for like keynotes, whereas how to preneurs are more better suited for workshops, breakouts, seminars, that sort of thing in the trenches. I do. I do. I think if I ever wanted to slide into the keynote slot, I'd have to change my message Mm -hmm. or I'd have to do a workshop, do it in such a way that I bake in a lot of philosophy so that the people who are reviewing the talk say this should have been the keynote. Because I remember what Mike Kim said. He said, marketing isn't about closing a sale. It's about opening a relationship. That line always gets a lot of buzz. Yeah. And if I pound that more and I'd start fleshing that out as a philosophy rather than just a throwaway line on how to write email subject copy, Yeah. right? People can, people can maybe make those recommendations and I could slowly slide over into that slot. So yeah, I would agree generally with that. You know, one, one person, me right now is a curriculum-based person. Mm-hmm. whereas Seth Godin is a philosophy or a message-based person. And both can be speakers. We probably have speakers that are across both. And you can yeah. do both if you want. Yeah. But it's just understanding the distinction so that you're not frustrated why no one's coming to my workshop about the life-changing magic of tidying up right. or the daring way. <laughs> when in reality, that's a keynote or a philosophy for an, from an ideapreneur. It also seems like uh, that the if you're going to go the idea route, that there still has to be that overlap because the the challenge with the idea route is it can become very woo woo if you're not careful, and it becomes very, you know, uh, touchy feely, feel good, but like there wasn't a lot of substance to it, and not a lot of like now what? And so in in any environment where you're going to be hired as a as a speaker, keynote, or otherwise. Like the event planner is going to want to know, like, what am, what's my audience going to leave with? And if it's too woo-woo and it's just kind of like, I don't know what the point of that message was. Nice idea, uh, but I don't know what to do with it. Then you, you, you kind of leave the audience hanging. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. And it's why, and I know how you teach your folks, it's, it's why storytelling is so important. Sure. As a part of what you're saying on stage. Um, a couple of years ago, I was hosting a workshop in New Orleans and this uh, young lady was part of the workshop and she said, hey, Mike, I want to, I want your help in branding my, my business. It's called Healthy Homes. And I was like, I have no idea. What, what does that mean? Yeah. And she said, well, we're a military family. We've moved 10 times in 10 years. And in some of the houses we've moved into, we had inexplicable headaches. My kids, my husband, we just couldn't figure out what was going on and nobody could help us. We just didn't understand what was going on. So I did some research online and realized that some of the electric meters in homes emit a small level of radiation. It's completely regulated, but there's a small amount of radiation. 
And if your head is pointing towards the electric meter, when you sleep, your bed is configured that way, you can get these headaches. And wow. I just looked at her like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but this is fascinating. Yes, exactly. Okay, this is fascinating, right? And without even realizing it, because she told me this story, two minutes earlier, I wasn't even aware that there was a problem like this that existed. Yeah. She's now through this story made me problem aware. And so I asked her, what's the solution? She's like, turn your bed around and make sure that the main electric lines going through your house don't have your bed against that particular wall. Now I'm solution aware. I was like, so is this what you do? You go into people's homes? She's like, yeah. Now I'm product aware. Yeah. I'm aware of her products. And she's like, I promised I'll wear, you know, booties when I, on my shoes so I won't track mud off your car- carpet. I promise I won't judge your house on how clean or dirty it is. I'll come into your house. And now I was ready to be pitched. Yeah. Right there in three minutes. That's, but it all starts with what? The story. So to your point, Grant, like we can get really woo. I can't think of a more woo woo topic than that <laughs> right now, you know, like my headaches in, in the house randomly. But it all started with storytelling. And this is one of the frameworks that I outline. Um, it's the five levels of awareness for a prospect. They're unaware. You have to make them problem aware. Yeah. Once they're problem aware, you have to make them solution aware. Once they're solution aware, you make them product aware, your product or your keynote, your coaching, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then once they're aware, you pitch it. But how you move them down the line starts with a story in step one. What did she do? Step two. She told me secrets that I never knew about. You and I just laughed about this. Like, yeah. What? But I am like, literally, as you're talking, I'm like, where is our electrical meter? meter. And where is that like relation to our room? (laughs) These are secrets that she's uncovered and she's sharing with us. Yeah. Now she's telling us how to fix it. Just move your bed around. Okay. And and make sure that it's not tracking through the middle of your house. Like, you know, your, your main lines. She's letting you know about her product. And I'm like, maybe I should have you come to my house or do you have an article on this? Do you have a PDF I can download and pay you for to evaluate my house? It all started with storytelling. If this lady came out on stage or put on her website, I want to walk into your house and check your beds. (laughs) (laughs) Freaky, right? So sketch, right? Super sketch. So it starts with the storytelling, even if it's woo woo, that's how you make it concrete. You can make anything concrete as long as you tell good stories wrapped around it. Interesting. Uh, okay, let me ask you this. Uh, one of the challenges that that speakers and just personal brands have in uh, in general is that uh, we feel like there's a lot of different types of audiences that we could help, or there's a lot of different problems we could solve, and we have a lot of different passions. And so trying to do all things for all people uh, means that you are trying to be everything to nobody uh, versus saying, no, no, I solve one specific problem for one specific audience. So I help, you know, military families with the electrical issues in their house, you know, like this one very specific thing. And it's counterintuitive because we feel like, you know, the more things we can speak on, the more problems we can solve, like the more opportunities we will have. And people are looking for, for the opposite. They're looking for a specialist, not a generalist. So how do you help someone whenever it comes to personal branding of like really narrow down and be like, you need to be this versus trying to be everything. How, how do we best think about that and, and narrow it down? Yeah. In, in general, there's only really three broad markets that any of us who are in this space as speakers, as sharers of ideas are in health, wealth, or relationships, right? That's really it. Those are the big umbrellas. Now under those umbrellas, there are a myriad of other subtopics, right? But this lady who I just shared her story, she's in the health market. Clearly she's mm-hmm. trying to have it make us, make us healthier. 
um, fitness coaches, uh, fitness experts, nutrition experts, wellness, meditation, they all fall under health. Mm -hmm. I'm in the wealth market. My mm -hmm. job is to talk about things that will help make people wealthier or businesses wealthier. Yeah. So is Seth Godin, even though he's an ideapreneur, we're both in that market. Yeah. Right. And then you have the relationship market, dating, counseling, family, you all name it. Right. It's all there. The relationship even that you have with yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. That's all there. So I start there. And for most people, they're like, wow, I never saw it that way. Yeah. So what's your what's your primary goal in your in your in your business, in your talk? Is it to help people make get healthier, wealthier, or have better relationships? And yes, there can be an overlap of a couple, but most people will buy primarily because of one particular thing. So if you have a speaker out there who says, well, I want people to be uh, healthy and thrive in their lives and thrive in their relationships and thrive in their money. And I'm a life coach who does all these, thing these things or a speaker that can speak to all these issues. That's not even believable. Yeah. It's not even believable. And they'll say, then they'll say, well, Grant, Mike, look at Tony Robbins. He talks about all those things. Yeah. Not in the beginning. Right. Exactly the first things that he used to talk about were really personal development. He only came out with the money stuff way later after he became like a billionaire, right. right? And talked about this stuff. You deconstruct any of these folks early. Look at Gary Vaynerchuk. He can talk about anything he wants. Nope. First couple of years, all he did was sell wine, man. Yep. That's it. Right. And then he opened a marketing agency. He helped people get wealthier. Yep. Then he leveraged that to grow his brand. Uh, one of the guys I talk about, uh, in the book is The Rock, the wrestler, mm -hmm. right? And he's an entertainer, so he falls a little bit outside of those lines. But people like he could do whatever he wants. He, he he's in all these movies, has his own brand of tequila, wears Under Armour. He can do whatever he wants. I want that, dude. He was a failed NFL football player, never never made it to the league, pivoted into wrestling. Mm -hmm. Fans hated him initially, but he stuck it out for twenty years. And that fame as a wrestler is what got him his first movie deals. People yeah. don't realize that that focus, you have to be more focused in the beginning than later on. Th people think I'll be a generalist first and then focus later on. It's backwards. You got to focus first. Uh, and, and just to be a, as an encouragement for, for folks who are listening, I focused on one or two things, copywriting and personal branding. And what's interesting is that doing that got me more speaking gigs and more influence than if I went out there and said, I can talk about anything Yeah, because you would have me on your podcast and say, Hey, come talk about personal branding. Cause I hear that's what you do. Mm -hmm. And Dan Miller would do that. And John Maxwell would do that. And, and, and instead of being a competitor to them, I was a collaborator. Yep. I was able to be jelly to their peanut butter. And then that got me in with those folks and helped increase my influence and, and my reach. And so um, you niche down first and it's always possible to pivot later. I mean, Shalene Johnson, some of us know her. Uh, she's a big online coach. When she started out, she was a fitness. She's still on beachbody.com. Yeah. Like these videos for 15 years ago, she pivoted later into online business coaching. Yeah. But a lot of folks who followed her on Beachbody and her workouts followed her on Instagram or social media. And she said, I'm going to start this podcast on how to, I built my business. They jumped over and yeah. followed her. Interesting. Good stuff. Hey, we're, we're just uh, scratching the surface there. There's plenty more. The book is You Are the Brand. Uh, go check it out. It is out everywhere now. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, Mike, and what you're up to and want to check out the book, where can we go? Youarethebrandbook.com. All the details are there. Awesome. We appreciate the time, man. Thank you, man.
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.